Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another podcast here today. Uh, today, we're going to go ahead and get into kind of a different topic than maybe we've been used to the last few episodes. We've been focusing more on gaming. Today, we're going to kind of stay in the technology field, but we're going to get kind of a, just a very uh, generic overview of automated vehicles, self-driving vehicles, etc. And some of the issues that may come with that and maybe some of the benefits that come with that as well. And just overall how that could affect cars, the trucking industry, and more. So automated cars are definitely something that's coming this way. You look at companies like Tesla has their autopilot feature on their vehicles. You have other companies that are exploring that option as well. You have uh, right now in terms of like what's available to consumers currently, it's more kind of like kind of like an automated assist sort of feature. Uh, for example, Toyota, we own a Toyota. Um, it's a 2017 model. What we have available to us right now is we have a few different things. So we have kind of a lane assist feature, which is using a camera or sensor, and it's detecting where the lines are painted on the road. And if we start to go over one of those lines and we're not like have a turn signal on or something, so if we accidentally start to go over one of those lines, it's going to beep and alert the driver, hey, you are going outside your lane. And it'll actually gently, very, very gently, kind of push the wheel back towards the uh, center of the lane that you should be in. Uh, so obviously, like, if you were meaning to go into the other lane, it, it's not a strong enough push that, like, you couldn't override it. But uh, So that's one of the features we have available. Also, we have something that's... Um, been kind of common on a lot of vehicles for a little while now and that's like the uh, adaptive cruise control so if we set the cruise control and we're, we set it for 70 miles an hour um, basically there's a radar in the front of the car or a radar type system I guess I don't know exactly how it works but it's a radar type of system that is going to detect other vehicles and objects in front of the vehicle and so we can set a distance um, and it, that's, we have the option of one, two, or three car lengths ahead of the vehicle to set it. And it will maintain our speed versus the vehicle that's in front of us. So if we have it set for 70 and we come up on a vehicle that's going 65, if I have it set to one car length, it will basically move us up to the point where we're one car length behind. And then we, our vehicle is going to slow down to 65 and match the the speed of the vehicle in front of us. If we decide to go around them. As soon as we change lanes and there's nobody in front of us, our car will speed back up to 70 and keep on going. And so those type of features are already starting to become a little bit more common. Uh, we also have a feature that uh, when our high beams are on, our lights, um, if we come up on another vehicle going the opposite direction that has their just their headlights on, if it, if it detects headlights in the other direction, it will automatically turn off our high beams and just go back to regular headlights. And so that's kind of a convenient feature because if you if you have your high beams on, you just accident if you accidentally forget to lower them or turn them off, the car's going to do that for you, so you're not like pissing off or annoying other drivers around you. And so those are kind of some generic kind of assist type of features that are already available on vehicles. And Toyota is definitely not the only one or the first one to ever do those, but those are just kind of an example that I personally know about and have actually used myself. But you look at like Tesla. Tesla is from my understanding, kind of the first one to do more or less a fully automated experience. And you have some other ones. I think it was the Nissan Altima that's also kind of starting to get into that as well. Um, 
the Nissan Altima I saw commercial, they do kind of the adaptive cruise control, but they take it like another step further. So with the Toyota, ours will match the speed of the car in front of us. But if we go below, it's like 30 or 35 miles an hour, it's going to beep at us, letting us know that it's kicking off the cruise control. And it'll disengage the cruise control. And you're kind of on your own at that point. Uh, the Nissan Altima commercial I'd seen uh, actually keeps that feature on all the time. So you can actually turn, it's basically like an auto throttle, an auto brake. So you could even have it on in the city. You turn it on, and even if you pull up to a stoplight, your vehicle will come to a stop behind the vehicle in front of you. And once the light turns green and that vehicle starts moving, your car will accelerate back up to speed along with that other car. So that was kind of cool. I, I did notice that a little while back. Uh, the Tesla vehicles will keep you in your lane. It'll actually not just gently turn the wheel, but it'll actually turn to keep you in a lane. And at highway speeds, you more or less don't have to do a whole lot. I mean, other than monitor the car and make sure nothing bad happens. But it's going to maintain your speed. It's going to maintain your lane. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I haven't used it. So I don't know if it's one of those things where you just like punch in a destination. It's just going to keep going. Or if it's just more or less like one of those things you just turn on when you're on the highway. And it just kind of maintains kind of like a cruise control as long as you're on in highway conditions. So it's one of those things where I'd have to look into that a little bit more. Um, but it's kind of an interesting debate. And, and the purpose of this is kind of get to get people thinking in that mindset. Uh, would you trust autopilot feature on vehicles, on cars? Uh, what are the pros and cons with that? I mean, the pros being that if you have an automated vehicle, the driver, at least for the foreseeable future, I imagine that there's going to have to be a steering wheel. And the person in the driver's seat, even if you're not necessarily full-on driving, you're going to have to be able to take over for the car at any time. Like, if it comes upon construction or if it comes upon some kind of hazard that it doesn't know about, you're going to have to take over and control the vehicle. And that's probably going to be the same way for quite a while until we can get even better uh, automation technology. And so I think the pros are that, for one, it's going to be a much less stressful experience because you're more or less just monitoring. You're not having to worry about it nearly as much about maintaining your lane and maintaining your speed. Uh, the cars with the automation are actually checking the vehicle on all sides, so it, it's keeping a better eye on what's going on to the sides of you and to the in behind you, like in your blind spots, than you would be able to do on your own. Uh, not that these cars don't come without problems, and, and, and there are definitely a downside right now. And you've probably heard about these situations and scenarios where there have been accidents. Not very many, but when they happen, you hear about them. Where the autopilot decides to uh, change lanes and crash into a car, or I think the Google car may have even hit and killed somebody. Um, and we'll get into the Google car here in a second, because I think the Google car is a different, different direction or different step from even the Tesla vehicle. Uh, because the Tesla vehicle, from what I understand, the autopilot is meant to be kind of an assist feature where the driver is still expected to maintain control of the vehicle if it were to fail or whatever. Um, the Google vehicle, from what I understand, when they test that, they're testing it for its fully automated capabilities. And so the Google vehicle is... Oh, my Google's... My apologies, I don't understand. <laughs> I really need to turn off my Google before I do these episodes. Um, but there I'll turn the microphone off. I say Google too many times. Anyway, um, the Google vehicle is 
expected to pretty much run fully on its own. It's maintaining lane. It's maintaining speed. It's also using map data that Google has. So it's using satellite data and map data as well as being able to read road signs. And so, and I I don't know, maybe the Tesla one also does this, but it's like the Google vehicle will read road signs to know how fast it's supposed to go. It will be able to alert you to other things. It still has a a steering wheel and has the ability to have a driver assist, but I, I think ultimately what they're trying to test for, what they're trying to work towards is a fully automated vehicle. That will just kind of run completely on its own. You you type in an address or you, you want you choose where it's wanting to go, and it'll just take you there. And I think that's ultimately where the cars are going to be going uh, in general. I mean, once these automated vehicles become widespread enough, and you're looking at the majority of vehicles, or even at some point maybe all vehicles being automated, then you take some of the uncertainty out of the equation. Part of the problem with these vehicles right now is that there's still a human aspect to it. So it's automated, but the car next to you or the car ahead of you is not. And so they're trying to plan for, and they're trying to compensate for human error in the cars around you. In the future, once, if and once all vehicles are automated, you take kind of that human component out of it. And if it's fully automated, then the cars can start talking to each other. And once the cars are, are on a network where they can talk to each other, then you can drastically reduce accidents in that way too because each car knows what the other one's going to do. I foresee speeds increasing, especially on highways and stuff. You're going to be able to get to your destinations much, much quicker because what if the speed on the uh, on the interstate becomes 90 or 100 miles an hour, if not faster, because everything is talking to each other and knows what the hazards are. Um... I just I see that being the future. People are going to be able to get to places much, much faster. It might be to the point where maybe even it alleviates some of the pain off of airplanes. Because if I'm able to drive from Des Moines, Iowa to Kansas City, Missouri, I mean, not that a ton of people fly from Des Moines to Kansas City, but or let's say Des Moines to Minneapolis, because I know that is that is a flight that does occur every day. And so that is a three and a half hour drive ish under regular conditions. We're driving 65, 70 miles an hour. Uh, obviously, you have people that drive a little faster than that, whatever. But it's about three and a half, three, three and a half hours. If you had cars that were driving 100 miles an hour or more because they're automated consistently, not to mention, I guess something I'll bring up here in a second, but it's like even just the faster speeds will get you there faster. The other component is that even when you're in a city, especially major cities, I think would see the biggest benefit is that it would also automate or it would, um, it would definitely help with the, it would optimize. That's what I'm looking for. It would optimize traffic within a city. You might not have to have as nearly or nearly as many stop, stoplights or, or, you know, your intersections would be different. And I can't remember where I saw the video. I don't know if it was CPG gray or, or what, but they talked about automated vehicles. It may have been Vsauce too. I'm not sure. But it's one you know, one of those channels anyway, addressed this issue a little while back. And it showed how, you know, if the vehicles are being optimized to the very fullest, they might not even have to stop the intersection. They because they know where everybody is in the intersection, it's all being handled between the cars. You might the cars might have to slow down a little bit, but they can basically keep on their way and keep turning or keep you know, whatever. 
And ultimately, if that stress is taking off, taken off the driver and, and it just works, I'm all for it. The other aspect I had brought up towards the beginning of the, of the episode was uh, with truck driving. And the trucking company is already starting to look into this. And, and they really need to for a variety of reasons. One of the big reasons being is that it's hard to find truck drivers. Truck, you know, The trucking industry is experiencing a shortage in drivers at the moment. And I know this. I worked in in, in a truck uh, for a trucking company for a while, uh, for about a year or so, and so I know firsthand how hard it is to recruit drivers. the The population of drivers is growing older and older. You look at the the average age of a truck driver, and that's getting older and older every year. And that's because it's hard to bring in younger drivers these days. Which, I mean, that's a whole t- other topic on its own. But honestly, if I didn't have a wife and didn't have a kid, and I was, you know, single going in my 20s or whatever, I would consider doing truck driving these days. Those guys can make bank. It's one of those things where, without going into it, like, deeply, but if you go through and you get your CDL, and you basically work out your first year, year and a half at a company, you just kind of put in your time, yeah, you might not make super great money, but you can make $40,000, $50,000 a year, but... If you put in your time for a year, year and a half, and you go to one of the better companies that just requires some experience, like the one that I had worked at, required one year of experience, those guys are making $90,000, $100,000 a year. No joke. Like, I'm not even lying. Like, I don't work there anymore, so I don't have any obligation to, like, lie about it. Those guys are making $90,000, $100,000 a year. In some cases. I mean, but even still, the, like, some of the lowest paid people, the drivers-wise, in our company were making sixty, seventy thousand. 70000 And so, you know, but anyway, but the point is, is that the trucking industry is having a hard time bringing in new drivers. So how can they ultimately still serve, you know, meet the demand that they have? You know, you have things like Amazon, you have things like just regular packages. I mean, people order more and more stuff online all the time, especially Black Friday, around Christmas, whatever it might be. And so demand is very, very high. And so... You know, that's one of the biggest obstacles right now is how are we going to get that stuff from point A to point B? And so automated trucks would help in the long term. If you, if they didn't need a driver in the long term, you know, that would definitely help in the short term. Even if it was just kind of an assist sort of thing where you still had somebody sitting there, you could definitely change some of the requirements a little bit more. Because one of the things that like gets that, that gets a lot of people in trouble as truck drivers is not being able to effectively back up the vehicle. Well, if trucks were automated enough they could back up on their own and as long as somebody knew how to drive it like straightforward i mean maybe i'm not a huge fan of lowering the requirements to a point where it's just like barely acceptable but it's still the point you know you get these trucks that are talking to each other and everything's all you know smart and optimized you know trucks could report to other trucks like because the thing is your requirements as a truck driver are going to be different than people that are driving a car because when you're driving a truck or any kind of CDL vehicle, you're going to be looking and having to keep track of certain hazards that cars don't have to worry about. You have to worry about, like, bridge clearances, so like how high a bridge is above you as you go underneath it. Um, obviously, road conditions might be a little bit different, so on and so forth. So it's like those trucks can, could communicate more effectively with other trucks further back, so that way they can reroute if they have to, um, whether it's storms, whether it's wind, whether it's whatever. Um, it just would be a better experience overall. So even, you know, even putting the workforce problem aside, even just driving conditions, it could communicate that stuff better along the network. Now, you have some problems with the network, too, and I mean, and and, and some issues that people are going to bring up. I mean, with a network of vehicles, 
First of all, security is going to be the, the number one concern. Can people hack into the system? Can people um, somehow influence or infiltrate blah, blah, blah? Or even if they can't like hack in and control cars and make them crash like a terrorist type situation, could they even just hack in and get information about a trucking company, whether it's a rival company or whether it's this or that? Um, is the government going to be having control of this? Which you would imagine they'd have to, at least to some degree, if it, they want it to be able to be implemented on the you know, interstates nationwide, the government's probably going to have some control over it. Not to mention state highways and stuff. The states are going to want, want are going to want their hand in on it too. And so, you know, if you're someone that is not a huge fan of government control, that might be an issue for you. Um, the government and let's say Google, if Google is one of the front runners or Amazon or whoever else, Tesla, I don't know. I don't know who all is going to have their hand on it in on it when it comes time to you know make it a big widespread thing. But whatever companies and whatever government entities are in on it, they're going to have a lot of information about you. Because there's a chance that based on your car being registered, obviously, as it is now, but if they can track that registration to a location, they're going to know where you're going. They're going to know when you're going there. And when it comes to like ads and stuff, like if Google's in on it, let's say, or Facebook, then they're going to know how to advertise things to you based on where you're going. You might be going by in your car on your way to Walmart because it knows you're going to Walmart and you might have a billboard on the side of the road that's advertising something to you because it knows that, hey, you're out of this item at home. And that's where we're heading, I think, with some of this stuff. I mean, and in some ways it's really cool. I'm the type of person that I I, I think those things are actually really cool. Uh, maybe a little, Maybe a little scary, maybe a little dangerous at times, but I'm not super worried and paranoid about it as, as some people are. And I still have an episode on the back burner about smart home security and that kind of stuff. And I'll address it more in that. But it's one of those things where, you know, the gist of it is if you have nothing nothing to hide, then don't worry about it. Like, if the government or if these companies are watching stuff, like, they're, they're watching millions of people's stuff. And as long as your stuff doesn't stick out from the other stuff, then you don't have anything to worry about. But anyway. So, in some ways, it's really exciting. In other ways, it's maybe a little bit worrisome. I can see both sides here. And we might even get to a point someday where if everything's automated to a certain point, and in order for, you know, if the government has a hand in on it, if they want to get to a point where they want to regulate it heavily, they can make it so that people don't even own individual cars anymore. And one of the good, one of the great ideas and, and, and thoughts that I, I had was that and I think other people have too, so I'm not going to pretend like this is an original thought, but if people didn't own their own vehicles, and let's say you just, you know, pulled up your computer or pulled up your phone or just said to your, you know, smart assistant, like, hey, I need a vehicle, and it just calls up a vehicle, comes to your house, you know, pulls up in front of your house a few minutes later, you type in where you're going and you're on your way. It brings you there. And that basically you're just paying for, you're paying for it in your taxes or you're paying for it each time you use it or something like that. And that maybe you're paying for fuel or whatever. Ultimately, these things are probably all going to go electric at some point too, I'd imagine. And, you know, they could either be charged at a station or they could be charged along the roadway. You know, all these things are up for consideration when it comes to this. I think that ultimately there's going to be a change in the infrastructure of how we travel. I don't know if it's going to be soon. I think it could be 20, 30 years, could be even further out. I think that first we're going to have to see these proof of concepts and the proof of concept is going to be, can we get these 
automated or autopilot systems working now when there's still a human factor? Because that's, you know, even once we all, once we switch over to a fully automated system, there's still going to be outliers. There's still going to be the, the occasional thing that comes up that the system wouldn't usually plan for. Like if you're driving on the interstate at 100 miles an hour or 150 miles an hour, let's say, there's still the very real possibility that a deer might run out on the road. How does a car handle that? Now, I imagine a car that's automated would be able to handle it in the best way possible, keeping everybody safe. So it would know how to swerve. It would know, you know, without causing an accident. It would know how to apply the brakes. It would know possibly even if hitting the deer is the best thing for everybody around. You know, you've heard this before. Like if you're traveling along a, a highway, they say that if you see a deer come out in front of you, your best bet is to accelerate. Accelerate through the deer. You want to hit the deer. Because if you try to swerve, there's a much higher possibility that you are going to make it into a fatal accident for yourself. Even if you slam on the brakes, you have a possibility of making it a more severe accident because there's a better chance that it's going to come through the windshield. If you accelerate, there's a good chance that you might be able to get it to flip over your car. Yeah, your airbags will probably deploy, and yes, you'll probably ruin or total your vehicle, but that's actually what's been recommended from what I've seen and what I've heard and whatnot from a variety of sources. But it's like, how would automated vehicles handle that? How would it handle in a city, because you're still got people walking, how's it going to handle people walking out in front of you in New York City? So it, it basically, what I'm trying to say is that it needs to still pass the proof of concept phase right now, even when it does go more automated. When it goes more automated, yeah, it has fewer variables. And when it comes to predicting other vehicles, it doesn't have to worry about that. But it still has to be able to predict human behavior. It still has to be able to predict the unknowns, the traffic hazards that aren't scheduled to be there. Having to somehow pick a detour if that detour wasn't planned that day. For instance, like, yeah, traffic uh, construction projects are usually planned. And they know about it ahead of time. But what about if there's a water main break, a huge water main break that closes down a street for six hours? That's not planned. The system wouldn't know about that. But the first few vehicles that get there would be like, okay, well, oh shit, I can't get through. And it would alert the system, alert the, the network, hey, these vehicles that are going in this area, they need to go around. And so, I mean, that's the other cool part is that, you know, yeah, it might inconvenience a few people, but it would still be better than what happens right now. Right now, you might have 40, 50 vehicles try to go through there before a notice is put out or before news reaches anybody else that says, hey, you should probably avoid this area. But it's just, it's one of those topics where, you know, once again, could be polarizing. Some people are going to absolutely love this idea. Some people are going to absolutely hate this idea. Some people, and I think a lot of people are going to fall somewhere in the middle in this case. There's going to be people that are, that are a little bit indifferent. They want to see where this is going to go and how this is going to evolve before they form an opinion. There's legitimate concerns. There's legitimate things to be excited about and to be happy about. I mean, I know for one that if it could increase the speeds on the highways and the interstates, and I could basically just punch in a destination, and yeah, I'm, I'm going to sit there and maybe monitor it, but it's going to more or less you know, control itself, then why, why wouldn't I want to do that? I could cut a three, three, three and a half hour trip down into what? An hour? Hour and a half? I'd cut it in half, depending on how fast the car's going. But anyway, up for debate. You know, it's one of those things where I just want to kind of, 
uh, bring it to the surface. I think that we definitely have to watch how Google and how Tesla are going to be handling this. Those seem to be the front runners in terms of the technology. I think that was it Cadillac. I couldn't remember. I, there's one other company that's kind of starting to bring that to the to the surface, and they're they're planning on kind of bringing it this next year or two. Um, I think they're all they all have pl- uh, plans in the works, but uh, we'll just ultimately have to see where this is going. You know, until then, until that happens, just note that anytime that these type of vehicles get in an accident, we're going to hear about it. It's going to be kind of like the airline industry, where any kind of accident is going to make the news because of multiple reasons. I mean, obviously, there is that concern where we want the automated system to be the best it can be. At the same time, there's going to be a lot of people, especially from the automakers. I mean, the automakers, maybe not so much, but you have people from the oil industry that might hate this. You might have people from the auto industry that hate this too, because what's going to happen is ultimately, I think over time, the selection of vehicles is going to be greatly reduced. And and at some point you're just going to have like a car, maybe a truck, maybe a van. You're not going to have, you know, 18 different versions of, of cars to choose from, but who knows? I mean, I think that like I said, for even for the the different industries, whether it's oil, whether it's cars, you know, the automakers, whatever, there's pros and cons to, to both sides. But I think I've rambled long enough now about this. Um, let me know. Let me know what you think. Uh, you can drop comments down in the Discord channel. There should be a link somewhere around here. And um, just let me know. I mean, I, I, you know, ultimately I stand on the side that I'm excited for it. I'm cautiously optimistic, I guess is what I would say. I'm one of those that kind of falls in the middle. But I'm kind of in the middle that's leaning more towards being excited about it. Let me know what you think, and I'll uh, I'll stop it here. We'll uh, catch you guys next time.